You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Scott Eklund. Football is back with the first practice Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this afternoon we had a chance to uh, get on a Zoom call with Jimmy Lake, Kate Otten, and Elijah Moore. Good stuff coming out of that. We still don't have a Pac-12 schedule. Hopefully we'll have that by the end of the week. We still don't know any practice protocols, practice coverage by us, but uh, we will be there whenever we can, and uh, nobody does it better than the guys from Dogman.com, but First things first, football is back. Conversation with Jimmy Lake today on a Zoom call with all the Seattle and uh, Seattle media. Chris, anything jump out at you with the call from Jimmy Lake today? Uh, just that, uh, you know, it's it's disappointing that Cole Norgard, the guard, uh, offensive lineman, uh, is medically retired. Unfortunately, you never like to see those types of things happen. Um, it is something that we had heard about during the summer but just wasn't sure what his status was going to be. And um, I guess they made it official coming back for fall camp. So disappointed for Cole. I hope he's doing well. Sure sounds like he's going to be around the team, and obviously he's going to graduate. So those are both really, really good things. Um, also, it, it sounds like this was today was their second practice. Uh, they had a practice Monday, and um, they're just kind of ramping up. And um, it was interesting talking to, to all three of them because it sure sounds like the feeling is, yeah, they're they're ramping up more than they would have liked, and in a shorter amount of time, um, you know, they're only getting about four or five weeks as opposed to the minimum of six that Jimmy Lake and and some of the other coaches in the Pac-12 talked about during the spring that they would need to ramp up. But I think they're so excited about just the idea of playing football this fall that they're going to get it done, no problem. And and I thought it was also interesting talking to both Mold and, and Otten how they feel like the time that they were able to spend really kind of digesting the playbook and getting the mental reps, especially with Otten on the offensive side of the ball with John Donovan, uh, was super, super important. And I think it's already started to show up even in the first couple practices, obviously, even though we haven't been able to see anything. The announcement with uh, uh, Cole Nogard being on medical retirement, this is one we've been sitting on for a while and just waiting for it to be announced. And you been keeping track of all the numbers and scholarships that will be available, but when you've been talking about scholarships and the roster numbers, this is one that you've pretty much factored in and anticipated because we've known about it for a while. Yeah, yeah, we've known about it for quite some time, and um, you know, when it wasn't uh, announced when Jimmy had his press conference, man, I can't remember, was it middle of August that he had it, or early August? I, I was a little surprised we didn't hear about it then, but I think he had other pressing issues to go over in that press conference, so that's why, but you know, Norgard, Norgard wasn't a big-time guy or anything like that. He was somebody that um, uh, Chris uh, Strauser was after and brought in, and and Strauser really liked his upside and, and liked the fact that he could be a guy that that could possibly pay, play center eventually, and that's what he ended up doing for Scott Huff. But um, I think it was a back issue or a knee issue. I can't remember what it was, but whatever his issue was, he just hasn't been able to get over it. He's been struggling with it, and uh, you know, good for him that he'll get his degree, and 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 good for Washington that it won't he won't count against the scholarship limit, and they'll they'll just make it work. They, he is the reason that they were able to sign Jack Gary and bring him in. Yeah, his yeah. his his retirement is why Washington had room for him. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point because that was brought up quite a bit. You know, in order to make it fit, um, they needed that attrition, and that's where it is. But and one of the things that stood out to me too, Scott, was talking to Elijah Molden. Tell people a little bit about the conversation we were able to have with Elijah Molden and his decision to come back, which I thought was interesting. You know, um, about him possibly opting out and turning pro, but uh, he talked about his love for football and how much that meant to him. Yeah, he he just he said he he wants to come. He wanted to come back and play with his brothers. I remember him saying, as a freshman, he was terrible. As a sophomore, he was decent. As a as a junior last year, he said he was 
he was pretty good, but he felt he could be great this year. And that was a big reason he decided to come back from everything I heard from the workings on how things were going on behind the scenes and everything. He was pretty much a lock to leave. And I think, uh, conversations with Jimmy Lake, with his dad, with all these different people that he cares about in his life, they convinced him that, Hey, it's better for you to return and get one more season, be great, improve your draft stock. And, and you could be a, First rounder, you could possibly sneak into the first round if it, uh, if you have the kind of season we think you can have. And, and I think more than anything though, because let's be honest, when you see a check, some of these guys are signing, you know, some of these guys are signing contracts and getting checks, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that these guys are getting in. And you're like, man, I'd love to have that money. I can understand why it's not. A priority to return, but I, I just think he loved his teammates and he loved the opportunity to come and play one more season of college football. And that's why he ultimately respond, re, re, decided to re, return. He's a different, different cat. So I, uh, in, heard from various people that it's important for him to return because his dad was a first round draft pick, actually the 11th overall pick in the first round of the draft. And that's one of his goals is to be in that first round of the draft. But Chris, he talked about some other stuff as well. So, um, what'd you pick up from Elijah Molden? Well, I just think that he was talking about how it's a little tougher now than ever to kind of be able to lead and, 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 and always stay dialed into what he's doing because there's so much uncertainty. And he, he, so he's only trying to focus one day at a time on the things that he can control. And I think he also talked about the bubble and, and how difficult it was going to be to, to try to lead, especially with some of the younger guys that want to be able to have that college experience and, and have the social interactions with, with, um, other people, other guys at school and things like that and how, difficult it's going to kind of stay in that bubble but at the same time he thought that overall the team really gets it and that they understand the responsibility that comes with being able to play and having that having that chance to be able to play means you have to make those kind of sacrifices and he thinks that they're well uh, kind of dialed in on the things that they need to be in order to do that because they don't even have a locker room right now and the locker rooms where a lot of these conversations happen where guys are held accountable to each other. And so they've had to do it via zoom calls and these kinds of things. And, and it's been really tough. And he talked about that. And, um, you know, he just also talked a little bit about, and again, he talked about that first round draft pick stuff. And I thought it was interesting because the, uh, we just put out, um, I guess PFF is who it was pro football focus, maybe, uh, put out one where they had him going in the first round. So there's a lot of people out there that already think he's first round talent. I think he just, Again, the love of the game, he just couldn't see himself sitting out. And ultimately, that's what it came down to. And I think, you know, is that an intangible that NFL programs are going to look at? Is that is that something that might put him over the top compared to other DBs that may have decided to opt out? Because he did say he talked to guys like Levi and Joe Tryon and, and others, and, and he said all those guys have incredible arguments to make for opting out and did so for the right reasons. He just couldn't do it for himself. Chris, how good of a fit would he be in the slot for the Seahawks? Well, I think the Seahawks, obviously, <laughs> you know, it'd be great to have him anywhere. Um, we see, you know, how important having a, a, a lockdown corner on the island is when you look at a guy like Trey Flowers, for instance, and, and, and some of the toughness, that, tough issues that he's had to deal with. And, um, you know, they just come at a premium. I think DBs come at a premium. We saw Jamal Adams in week one as a safety and how he was, he was such a game changer, literally all over the field. And I could see Elijah Molden being one of those guys. It's just a, a Swiss army knife could go in the slot, could die, could, could lock into a whoever you want to play and, and lock him down. He, and he said flat out, he goes, he does his best work in the off season. He takes pride in it. And he feels like he's had his best off season to, to date this off season, even though it was so tough kind of with the uncertainty and it taught him patience. And he admitted to being a very impatient person, impatient person, but um, it's taught him that, you know, he needs to just kind of take it one day at a time and control the controllables and, and do what he can. And I think he's learned some really valuable lessons uh, during this pandemic. And again, if you go by his words, he feels like he's, on track to have his best season to date, and I don't know why you'd doubt him. 
There's also uh, some interesting stuff from Kate Otten. He had a chance to talk a little bit about his little brother who's being recruited by Washington amongst many other schools. Uh, he talked a little bit about John Donovan's offense, um, Durham Cato, who I think some people are just sleeping on. I think Durham's going to be a real rising coach. And then I thought the most interesting comments was, you know, who's looking good on the other side of the ball when he said about the guys, Joe, with uh, Zion and um, Leatu. He has some nice things to say about them as well. What did you pick up on that, Scott? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I mean, you kind of laid it all out. He just said Leatu Latu and, and ZTF are guys that have really impressed him that he's constantly going up against. He said, get ready for a lot of two tight end sets. That's going to be kind of the norm for, for Washington. Um, and he talked about his little brother and the chance that he got to work out with his brother this year or something he probably wouldn't have done as much of uh had it not been for the pandemic and so he cherishes any time that he gets to spend with his little brother and and uh all of those things you know he's just I think he's just pretty excited about what it's going to be like to actually put this offense that he is going to be a featured uh playmaker in um in into practice you know he's seen it on film he's seen it uh, in the, in the, in the film room and in the, in the tight end room. And, and this is what he has to do. And this is all the, this and that and all that. But I think when it all comes down to it, getting out on the field and actually doing it is what he's been looking forward to. And that's what, uh, he's going to get to do. He's already doing it, but it's more just shirts and shorts and everything right, right now. Fall camp won't actually begin. At least that's what the word we're getting until next week some, at some point. You know, it's just hard to avoid the COVID news, the COVID world, and just everything that's out there. But I just think it's so good to talk about football. And, you know, that's why it was so refreshing to, you know, actually hear Jimmy talk a little bit about football. And the thing that he did talk about that one of the, you know, a lot of people thought that the inside linebackers was a real weakness last year on the defense and on the football team. But, boy, he's got everybody coming back. And Scott or Chris, um, how excited are you uh, to take a look at some of these guys returning and playing inside linebacker right now? Well, for me, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Hey Mooley, Daniel Hey Mooley, actually get out on the field. He was too light last year and came in a little too light and uh, I think took a little bit to pick things up. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do. You know, you got solid guys in, in Jackson Sermon and Edefawan Udafosio and MJ Tafisi, all guys who saw action last year at middle linebacker. But I, I want to, and Tupatala, I guess Alfonso Tupatala saw a little bit too, but Mickey Ayu, Alfonso Tupatala, Daniel Haymuli, those are all guys who were freshmen last year who, if they even saw time, which two of them didn't, uh, they, it was very little amount. So I'm looking forward to seeing the battle that we go through. Calvert, jo- um, uh, uh, what's his first Josh name? Josh Calvert. Josh. Yeah. Cause I always get, I, I always think about the younger one right now. So, um, yeah, Josh Calvert and, you know, he didn't even play last year cause he suffered a knee injury. So, um, you know, it's, there's that, he said it's his deepest spot on the team and I would agree with him from, they have a lot of bodies there, but it's a lot of unproven talent right now. And I, I don't think Adefuanu Lafosio has really shown what he can do quite yet. And, a lot of schools didn't even know much about him. Now that they've got some film on him, maybe they game plan him and he's not as successful as he was. So it'll be real interesting to see how Jackson Sermon, uh, Eddie Ulufosio and, and MJ Tafisi play. Um, but, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski talked about it on Saturday with, uh, Tony Castricone and Damon Heward about how, um, MJ Tafisi was playing really, really well until he got hurt, and they're really excited to get him back in the fold. So deep position, and then you got the secondary. That's that's the other one that Jimmy mentioned. Hey, Chris, you know, um, he, Jimmy talked about the secondary and the depth there. He talked about the depth at linebacker. And, you know, one of the things I didn't get a chance to ask him that I think is going to be important is when you take a look at what's gone on in the NFL the first three weeks, there's just been a rash of injuries. They didn't have a preseason. They didn't have the camp as long as they ideally wanted. But uh, no, uh, this camp, no spring football and not as long a fall camp as they like. How important do you think that's going to be and how much do you think we're going to see more players rotating in that uh, depth chart being uh, used more so this year, especially at the positions where they can afford to do it? Well, first of all, everyone can play without losing eligibility. The true freshmen can all play and they could play seven games this year and they'd still be true freshmen 
2021. So there's that piece to consider. The other piece is uh, is listening to Elijah Molden talk about how you know spring not playing spring football at all it could be really tough for the younger guys because for him personally that was the time at least the first couple springs that he went through those were the times where he really improved and really grew as a player you know as much in the playbook and and also out in the field clearly there's there's no way they can kind of recapture that time lost they really have to ramp up and go by the same token, they've also talked to both Molden and Ott and talked a little bit about how the mental playbook, the, the reps and the mental reps and, and going through them on the, on the multiple Zoom calls and all the things that they've tried to do to really drill all this stuff off the field is really starting to pay dividends if you take what they've talked about these first two practices, you know, as truth, as gospel and that they've kind of taken what they learned off the field and already have kind of ramped it up on the field. The other thing I'd say too is that when you look at certain position groups, it is tough with when, especially defensively, but like the running backs, for instance, the running backs are guys that were always in bubble wrap before the first game of the year. Anyways, you, if there were times where they went live, we didn't really get to see it. And when we got to see some live reps a little bit, but certainly not with the quarterbacks at all. And, but with the running backs, it was always very light because Peterson, he just, you know, beat it into our heads how beat up those guys get every single year. And it was important for them to start as fresh as possible. So clearly that's not going to be a problem for like that particular position group. But for the offensive defensive line, for instance, how do they react to all the, all the, the stuff that goes on, especially when they probably don't get into anything padded until at least next week, whether you're talking about the NCAA acclimatization rules, whether you're talking about King County's rules about out, outdoor activities and how big those groups can be, for instance. There's still a lot of things that are going on. But, yeah, it really is going to depend position to position by position how those guys react. But, yeah, would they like a little bit more time? I mean, Jimmy Lake and all the Pac-12 coaches talked about it in the spring. They love more time, but they're just not going to get it. Scott, I think it's easy to rotate guys in on the defense, um, you know, with the linebackers, and they've got so much depth that um, in the secondary along the defensive line. But uh, a little tougher to do along the offensive line. Is it going to be easy for them to rotate guys in on the offensive line? Because they're missing a couple of guys, but they've definitely got some young talent on their way in. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably looking at guys stepping in and, and, um, you know, for a series or whatever, um, maybe give Jackson Kirkland a blow at, at left tackle and let Mateo Mele or Nick Kalepo or, or, um, Julius, uh, Bulow take, take snaps there at left tackle and vice versa over on the right tackle with Vic Kern, let him step out and have one of those guys take some reps for him and, I think Scott Huff is going to mix and match a lot of stuff during camp like we always see that happening. See who fits where, see who works well together. Um I think a, a real battle is going to be between um between uh uh Miles Morale and um why am I blanking on his name? Luke uh, Luke Wattenberg at, at, uh, at center, you know, and if if Morale can prove that he's got it got the ability to handle the pivot, does that send Wattenberg back over to left tackle or left guard and make you a little bit better, a little bit stronger at, along the offensive line? And um, I think um, MJ Ale is a, is a great looking drive blocker, but I think there's still some questions about him as a pass blocker. So what's that going to be like? So lots of different mixing and matching. I think you'll see throughout camp. And then during the season, I think you'll see, I think they'll come in with their five, their set five, but I think you're going to see more of a rotation along the offensive line this year if uh, if they want to get more reps for some of the younger guys. Chris, we've been so spoiled Browning. We haven't had to worry really about quarterback competition for a while. And with uh, the four guys on the roster right now that are looking at the quarterback, comp, you think there's any chance that uh, they could split time when the season starts? I think that, I think anything's possible. Um, you know, when it comes to the quarterbacks, Jimmy Lake has talked about being a quote unquote equal opportunity employer. Um, he wants them to all give it a go and 
they're going to be going head to head. I mean, all four of them. I mean, it is as open as it could be. And I think with the extra time off, that's going to give guys like Kevin Thompson, the grad, uh, the grad guy from uh, Sac State and, um, obviously Ethan Garbers, the true freshman, that's going to inch them just a little bit closer to where they would have been if, uh, if like, let's say there hadn't been, or there, um, like if there was a spring, for instance, I think that would have helped Garbers quite a bit. But then again, you know, Dylan Morris, Jacob Sermon, they would have also had that ability to get better during that time. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys hit the ground running because uh, all of those guys are going to need to do something. And could this lend itself to a situation where more than one guy could be used to put this team in the best position to score touchdowns and to move the ball? That wouldn't surprise me in the least. It well, wouldn't I- Remember what the, the old saying though: if you don't have, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. So, hey Scott, hey Scott, if, if Jay Kaner was here, would he be the fan favorite? Uh, if he had stayed, yeah. Um, I think there's a good chance. Well, you know, it just kind of depends because um, I know that Chris Peterson and and uh, Bush Hamden liked him a lot. Would John Donovan? I. I don't know. I think he'd be in the mix though. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the idea of having a guy like Kevin Thompson come in for a switch up, maybe a series or two, but still have a, a number one guy. That doesn't the mean guy they're from, running two, but that doesn't mean the, they're running two quarterbacks. Who's right? the guy from, who's the guy from, uh, New Orleans, the quarterback they bring in once in a while? Taysom, Taysom Hill. Hill. Yes. Yeah, Kevin Thompson, that guy. Uh, yeah, but he's about 40 pounds lighter. Yeah. I, I mean, I've he, just never been, a, I've never been a big fan of that, but I get what you're saying. I've just never been a big fan of that. I just wonder, I just wonder how enamored they might be because if you look at John Donovan's resume, he kind of likes those guys that are a little elusive and do a couple different things well as opposed to a straight drop back guy, for instance. Now that doesn't mean that a, a Jacob Sermon, for instance, who's, you know, coming in as a, 235 pound gunslinger. That doesn't mean, first of all, that he can't move a little bit because he can. And that doesn't mean that he can't operate in some things that allow them to have some flexibility in that way to maybe use the quarterback as a runner, whether that's an option game or whether that's some other things that they could do as wrinkles. But do I think that they bring in a guy like Kevin Thompson, not just because he's an experienced kid, not just because he was a player that made plays in the Big Sky and Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Year last year. I think he brings an X factor. I really do, and I think they're very intrigued by that. Quarterback battle is definitely going to be one to watch, but uh, you know they've also they're also loaded over at wide receiver. Chris, I mean, I'm really interested to see you know if there's a quarterback and he has a connection with one guy, uh, you know, so. I think that's something definitely to keep an eye on. But uh, anybody over in the receiver spot that you're kind of intrigued in seeing, I mean, for me, it's Jalen McMillan. But anybody you're looking forward to really seeing jump out, Chris? Sure. Um, I really want to see how Ty Jones is going to step up and, and kind of make his presence known this season. I mean, here's a guy who made a lot of headlines in the off season because of some of the things that were going on with the We Are United front and, I agree 100% with all that good stuff, but he's got to bring his game. I mean, he's got to show up on the field this year too. That's just, that's, that's probably more important at this point, at least in terms of what he needs to do for the team. Um, I'm really excited to see how Puka Nakua can step up. And it was, it was unfortunate that he didn't get to play more last year, but, uh, I think this year, uh, he's an instant mismatch guy for sure. Uh, I am kind of curious to see who that go-to guy is going to be. It looked like it would get it was going to be a guy like Terrell Bynum. I still think it probably will be, but there's other guys that are vying for that possibility. You look at Marcus Spiker. Um, Austin Osborne certainly needs an opportunity to shine. They've got a ton of bodies out there. We're not even you mentioned Jalen McMillian, but I'm not even talking about the true freshman yet. Um, they've got enough bodies on the ground that. In a normal year, you'd be redshirting them and you wouldn't even think twice about it. Now, if a guy like Jalen McMillan hits the ground running 
And uh, Jimmy Lake kind of alluded to the fact that there were some true freshmen out there that were already kind of showing him some things. Here's a guy that he does he start from day one or does he play a lot from day one? It wouldn't surprise me at all. Scott, Washington uh, first game and opening kickoff they receive. Who's taking that kickoff back? Kyler Gordon. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I like that shout. I like Sean McGrew as well. I think both those guys probably have an opportunity. Richard Mitten? No chance. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I think right. you know, I think they like to keep the, the running backs as fresh as possible. But yet, with McGrew, he already has kind of the history of being able to be a return guy too. So that's the only reason I would pick a guy like McGrew out of that running backs group at this point. But I do agree with Scott. I think Kyler Gordon is a guy that's explosive. Uh, I definitely think he's got a great chance of being the punt return guy, for sure. Um, but kickoffs, too, I think he's got an opportunity there. Just a quick word from Washington. When we return, Scott Eklund, you had a chance to go up to Taiyi High School, see quite a few of the recruits, not only from 21, 22. You also had a chance to talk to Brandon Huffman about uh, Ameka at Buka, as well as JT to him. Allow all that and more when we return. It's the guys from dogman.com. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We are back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Reynolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Scott, you had a chance to head up to Taiyi High School for some seven on seven as well as talk to Brandon Huffman. But uh, let's go ahead and start off with the scary stuff. Uh, word is Curtis Bogan took a tumble, hit his head pretty hard, got knocked out. And uh, have you had a chance to catch up, get an update with uh, Chance Bogan, the UW commit for the class of 2022? Yeah, if people want to get a little bit more in-depth, I, I don't go that in-depth, but uh, uh, I talked to him on Sunday night, I think, and texted with him, and he said he's fine. He just had a concussion, and it looked like it was a pretty nasty one, too, but uh, he was going to make a catch from his quarterback, Jabari Johnson, the top-rated 2023 guy out of uh, Lincoln High School, and... Um, he went backwards, uh, and his head just smacked right on the, right on the AstroTurf. And they have good turf up, I say AstroTurf, but the, they have good field turf up there, and it's padded and everything like that. But as someone who did that exact same thing when I was in college, and with a helmet on, and, um, boy, I had the worst headache I've ever had. Back, you know, that was back in the early 90s before they really had concussion protocols, so they just told you to get up and suck it up. But, um, yeah, that, I had a headache for like two or three days from that. And I, I'm sure he's probably had some, some uh, side effects from it, but he told me he was fine and he'd be back out there working here real soon. So On the field, anybody jump out at you? Any uh Brow raisers, anybody that stood out you hadn't uh, seen that much of before? Not a lot. You know, I mean, it, the thing is, it's so they're looking for referees now, but they didn't have referees um, from, you know, at, at the thing. So it's kind of an informal thing, even though, yeah, they are, they, there are organizers, but it's kind of informal. So guys are kind of, um, out, they don't have any coaches there. So, you know, the quarterbacks have the playbook and they're showing the guys what their routes are and things like that. I mean, uh, you know, JT Tumalau is still just one of the most fluid, unbelievable athletes you're ever going to see at 6'4", whatever he is, 6'3", 6'4", 275, 280 pounds. He still runs really, really well. Just, and he just likes to, and he's so unassuming. He just likes to be out there with the guys. I don't think he wants, he doesn't make his presence felt from the standpoint that he's talking all the time or he's got this big thing. He's just, he talks to his guys and, and, and hangs out and, and he goes out and he runs some routes and does some different things. And then he, then he kind of backs off of it and, and comes and, and, you know, just stands on the sidelines and cheers for him. So very unassuming 
as the number one player in the country. I mean, it's just, he is an unbelievable talent and, uh, whoever gets him is going to end up with a really talented and good kid. Not just a, not just a great football player, but a great kid off of the field as well. Who else jumped out at you? Um, you know, I mean, Cole Welliver, the incoming freshman for Kennedy, who is going to be the heir apparent or who is the heir apparent to Sam Heward at Kennedy really stands out because he's almost a, a head taller than, than, uh, Sam Heward. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, the guy's six, six right now. It's pretty incredible. Um, you know, there, there, uh, Vega Ijuane, the offensive lineman from, uh, Graham Kapowson was out there. Um, running routes as a tight end for Graham Kapowson. He isn't the, you know, the athlete that JT Tool Malau is, or even a guy like Josh Connerly, who we'll talk about here in a second, but he's just, you know, he just likes to get out and run routes and do different things with his friends. I took a picture of him. He had a Husky hat on. I think it's only a matter of time till he becomes a dog. Uh, Josh Connerly, the number one rated guy in the 2022 class from the state of Washington, offensive lineman from Rainier Beach. He was out there also running routes with his team as a tight end. He's about 6'5", 265, 270. Um, just another unassuming guy. Knows that he's one of the top guys, but has doesn't have to tell you all about it. And he and I talked off the record for a little bit. We also talked on the record for a little bit. And um, just, you know, Washington's in a good spot for him, but so are several other schools, including Oregon, Alabama, Michigan, some of these top schools that are after him. So he told me, he said, he said, before I got all these offers, it was Washington and Oregon, Oregon and Washington, you know, was, that was the schools I wanted to go to. And he said, but once you get an offer from Nick Saban or you get an offer from Ryan Day from Ohio State, that really opens your eyes. And, and as a kid from Washington who hasn't really been very many places, he wants at least the chance to get out and see school. So I, I think you're going to see him take a lot of visits before he makes his decision. And, I mean, we know that the NCAA isn't even going to allow that to happen until after the first of the year. And my guess is they're probably going to push that back even further. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, he's, he's no lock for Washington, but I think the Huskies are in a good, good spot for him right now. Hey, Scott, there's five really good offensive linemen for the class of 2022. Washington expected to have a small class, uh, for that recruiting cycle. Of those five, how many can they realistically take? Probably three, um, maybe four. I don't see them getting all five anyway, but I, I don't, I just don't know if they're going to have room, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to find room because even if, even if they get some attrition, they need six just to, they need six guys to either retire or leave early, um, for the NFL. And that's not going to happen. Uh, I, or I'm sorry, that's, not, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I don't think you can just trust that that's going to happen. And you, and then on top of that, um, even if they do get to 15, which I think is even a stretch there, even if they do get to 15, how many of those guys, I mean, are you really going to take five guys who could take up a third of your class along the offensive line? I just don't see that happening. That's just going to leave you short on depth at another position. So three, I think, is the number they're going to target right now with a possibility of four. If it's three, so let, let's say it's Dave Ayuli out of Puyallup, Vega Ijuane out of Graham Kapowson, and Mark Nabu out of um, O'Day, let's say those are the three you have committed, and then Josh Connerly wants to add his name later in the process. I think you'd do it, or Malik Agbo. But I, boy, I I'm just having a real hard time seeing them really hard, pursue four or all five of those guys real heavily, knowing that they won't have enough room. Scott, if you take a look at the scout rankings and you took them and listed them one through five, if you got three, four, and five, would that be a good class? Yes, it would still be a good class. It just wouldn't be – if you got three, four, and five. So if you look at the scout rankings, um, it would go Josh Connerly. I think Malik Agbo is number two. And then Dave Ayuli of Puyallup is number three. Vega Ejuane is number four. And Mark Nabu is number five. And my my ratings are pretty close to that too. Not that mine are any better. It's just where I consider them. And um, – you know, if you miss out on Josh Connerly and Malik Agbo, but get the other three, I think you're still doing okay. But I think those guys, I think Josh Connerly, I mean, I love Malik Agbo and I think he could be a really good player down the road. He is nowhere near 
the level of Josh Connerly, in, in my opinion. I think Josh Connerly is on another level. And I think if you have to choose one of those two, Josh Connerly is the guy you want to take. And if you take a look at, if you say that Agbo is number two, is there a big gap or you can, is that just kind of alphabet soup on, uh, four, on, uh, two, three, four, five, or, you know, how well, close are those guys? The, the, the thing is, Dave Ayuli plays, is going to play a different position. He and Vega Ijuane and Nabu, Mark Nabu, are all going to play guard once they get into college. I think Dave Ayuli could maybe play right tackle, but he is not a left tackle at the next level. Neither is Vega Ijuane. So, and Mark Nabu only plays guard, I believe, at, in, uh, for O'Day. So, um, you're probably looking at, I mean, the, one of the reasons you don't want just those three is because you don't want just three ta- guards. You need tackles. You need tackles. I mean, right now, your tackles are, uh, Jackson Kirkland, who's probably going to leave after this season, even though he's got one more year. Um, actually, I think he's got two since, since his eligibility won't be used up this year. Um, and then you've got, uh, Mateo Mele, who's gonna rotate inside to guard, uh, to inside to, uh, center and, and tackle. You got Vic Kern, whose probably ideal spot is inside because of his height, but uh, he's gonna play right, right tackle because he's so, he's got such good feet. But then you got Sam Peacock and Roger Rosengarden from last year. You got, um, Julius Bulo and Nate Kalepo from the year before that. But you need you need at least one tackle body that you can get out of this class. And and while Dave Iuli could play right tackle, I think he's a better fit inside. And I think Josh Connerly would be the guy. If you're only going to take one, Josh Connerly would be the guy you want. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You also had a chance to do a podcast with Brandon Huffman. For those who haven't um, listened to that, um, maybe uh, at the bottom of this podcast, Scott, you can put that link on the bottom, but uh, tell us a little bit about what came out of that podcast. Well, you know, we talked a lot about uh, 2023 guys, 2022 guys, and where Washington stands, but I think the thing that everybody took out of it was Emek Egbuka and JT Tua Malau and how Washington's got a lot of ground to make up for both of them and, and how um, maybe the difference in what Washington might need to do in order to be able to w- win out for those guys. And I think one of them is – you know, we talked about it. We've talked about it on the message board and beaten it to death, of course, because that's what people on our boards decide to do sometimes. But, um, you know, how Jimmy Lake is trying to learn how to be a recruiter as a head coach. You know, people don't understand. It's different when you're a head coach. You, you're being pulled in many different directions and recruiting is, is, I'm not saying it's a back burner thing because your job relies on you getting the best players you can get, but, when he's got booster uh, commitments, when he has COVID stuff that he has to deal with, when he has um, all these different things that come up, uh, assistant meetings, um, you know, meeting with academic people, these are all stuff he didn't have to do as an assistant coach. But he has to meet with all these different people. If if we saw what his assistant had ready to go for him every day. It's ridiculous. Plus he still has to watch film. He has to help out with the game plan. He has to, he has to work with his coaches, um, both Pete Kwiatkowski on the defensive side and John Donovan on the offensive side. What are they going to do? What players are they looking at? What, you know, he has to decide all these things. Well, everybody says, well, what about Ryan Day and, and, and Lincoln Riley and, and, um, Mario Cristobal and Nick Saban and, and Dabo Sweeney, they're all really involved. Why aren't, why, why isn't Jimmy Lake? Well, they aren't first year head coaches, are they? You know, granted, Ryan Day is only a second year head coach, but he does have a year into this. Whereas Jimmy Lake's still kind of figuring out what he has to do. And when you throw in the pandemic and all the stuff that that threw into it, I think it's, I think maybe some things, maybe fall by the wayside. I'm not saying they fall by the wayside and he forgot about them or anything. I, I'm just going on my 50,000 foot view on what's going on. But 
I, I just think he's still trying to figure out how involved he needs to be as a head coach with some of these top players. And, hey, and that's something he needs to work on. Hey, Scott, I don't know if you had a chance to watch 60 Minutes on the thing with Ed Orgeron and LSU uh, that was on on Sunday. But, you know, Ed Orgeron is one of the best recruiters in the country. You know, he's an elite recruiter as an assistant coach. And they were showing how... LSU does what they call power hour every day. And, you know, it's an hour with every coach calling as many kids as they possibly can. Ed Orgeron is not calling the kids. It's all of the assistant coaches calling the kids. Ed Orgeron's just walking around and they just hand the phone to him, you know, and he's maybe having a 30 to 60 second conversation with these kids and handing it to the other coach. And, you know, he's going on to the next kid. So, yeah, he's talking to him quite a bit, but, you know, he's just, you know, short conversations. And that's typically how things work when you're recruiting as an assistant. You're setting the table for the closer, and a lot of the times the head coach is the closer. He's not setting the table. I don't think it's real common to have the co- head coach as the um, guy setting the table and closing. But and anybody- and how hard is it for Jimmy Lake to be a closer when he has no record as a head coach? Well, the other thing is if anybody thinks that Jimmy Relake is not being aggressive and not recruiting hard, that's just silly. I mean, I know, it's just absolutely – it's silly. He knows his jo- he knows his job relies on getting the best players possible, but he has a lot of other things on his plate now. And while I think he would love the opportunity to recruit some of these guys like he really could, I think he's still figuring out how to do that. And I think it's unrealistic for people to believe that he's going to drop everything else to just do recruiting. It's just not going to happen. And maybe people aren't saying that. Maybe they think he should have 25 hours in a 24-hour day. I don't know. But there's there's a certain element of he needs he's got work to do that doesn't involve recruiting. And so he has to rely on his, his assistants to set things up. Now assistants set things up, and maybe Jimmy hasn't been available like – they might have wanted him to or needed him to be. Well, if that's the case, then this is a learning experience for him and, and what he needs to do. But uh, I I don't think he, the Huskies are dropping the ball on the recruiting front. I think it's just really hard, especially with some of these kids. I think some of them wanted to stay close because of COVID, but I think others are like, you know what? I want to get out of here because of COVID. So I, I don't think it's as easy just to throw some blanket statement that if you lose JT Tumalau and Emeka Ibuka, as much as that hurts because I think they could really help and be beneficial to this program. But if you lose both of them, to say that that's a fireable offense or to say, I mean, it's so hyperbolous. It's just, right. it's so ridiculous to say that, you know, losing those two guys is the difference between winning a national title and not winning a title. Yes, they would help, but Washington's got a lot of good players that are going to be here, and we don't, and we aren't sure that Emeka Egbuka is going to be the standout we think he's going to be. We aren't sure that yep. JT Tumalau is going to be the standout he's going to be. Talk to me in four years after they play. I still think Washington's got a good shot at getting Emeka Egbuka. JT is going to be a lot harder. Hey guys, hey, I, was real, I just hey. add real quick that that idea of a power hour that you were talking about with Orgeron, Kim. That happens at Washington. If anybody wanted to see it in practice, go back and look at the YouTube video with Chris Peterson's Day in the Life. They do a power hour every day of calling kids during permissible times. Um, just and, and just watch how Chris Peterson does it. And it's literally like you, you wanted to talk about. It. It's literally like sometimes they'll just be talking to guys. Other times they might be FaceTiming them. Other times, you know, he'll just be talking to them for a couple seconds. It, that's the way the head coach works. He comes in and he tops it off. He he just he kind of adds the punctuation to whatever they're talking about. And so that's that's a very similar thing, and it goes on at Washington. Hey Chris, um, covering recruiting like we both have for a long, long time, we typically find when the recruiting process starts, the kids are pretty excited about it and they think it's cool. How soon does that newness take to wear off? Where the recruiting and the phone calls just gets to be a grind. Well, I think it's directly proportional to how big the recruit is. Um, I, I think right now, if you're a Mecca Igbuka or if you're JT Tumalau, um, you're hoping that everyone respects the idea that you've got a lot of information and you don't necessarily need to hear from them a lot. 
because these kids are not only hearing from individual coaches, but they're hearing from media, they're hearing from their own coaches, they're hearing from their friends, they're they're getting bombarded all the time. And some guys are really good about it. Other guys aren't used to it. And while they understand it's cool when it starts and all these offers are, are, are amazing, it, it can get old real fast for those guys. And I think that's part of the genius of, of having a good recruiting staff is having guys that just have good intuition and understand when to push a kid and when to hold back. And I think you saw that in practice last year with Savelle Smalls. You know, Akaika Malloy was right there on campus all the time at Kennedy because his son was playing for Kennedy. But yet he didn't bug Savelle at all. And when Savelle needed space, Akaika Malloy was the first guy to say, yeah, take your space. Do whatever you got to do. And they and they totally respected uh, his time and respected the fact that he needed to kind of go through all this stuff for himself. So it, obviously it comes down to the individual and, and how they are. But I will tell you that when the closer you, the higher you get to number one in those recruiting rankings, the more the pressure is ratcheted up, the more calls you're taking, the more visits you're having to yeah. take, the more you're having to host coaches in your home on these in-home visits, the more you're trying to compile information and you're trying to also sort out what's important from all the other nonsense that, you know, kind of the, the the stuff that's a distraction on the side. One of my favorites was talking to Isaiah Thomas back in the day. Remember when uh, you had to pay by the minute for your phone calls and pay for the text messages? And Isaiah Thomas's recruiting started to blow up, and he thought it was pretty awesome getting calls from everywhere in the country until his parents got a cell phone bill for 800 bucks. And uh, then all of a sudden they had to schedule calls with coaches. He wasn't allowed to take them all because the $800 phone bill was a little ridiculous. But now we're back in unlimited data, unlimited text, unlimited phone calls, and they can as many as they want. So I know that, uh, especially with the, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I'm getting 10 to 15 spam calls a day. I don't know how these recruits do it, but, uh, you know, it's well, and also wild, just, but... you know, think about it. You could go through this thing for 18 months oh, yeah. and all of a sudden Nick Saban wants to FaceTime you. Are you going to say no? I mean, this is, <sighs> this is the hard part about it. When the head coaches decide that they need to talk to you, I don't care if you're the number one guy in the country, those guys are going to have to take those calls. Yeah. And they add up. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a, it's an unbelievable thing. But at the same time, when, when you see all the time that it takes to go through this stuff, all the mail that they have to sort through, because we've seen pictures of, of kids in their bedrooms with boxes and boxes of unopened letters from every college in the country. If you're a top guy, I mean, it's the, the process doesn't start or doesn't change. And if anything, now it goes sooner and sooner and sooner. Um, Scott talked about Welliver, the, the, the guy who's going to be a, a ninth grader at Kennedy this fall. I mean, he's already got offers and he hasn't, thro- he hasn't thrown one football yet at Kennedy. This is, this is the, this is what we're talking about now. This is the world that we live in. It's been a busy week for us and it's going to get busier football about to. We'll hopefully have a schedule this week. We'll hopefully have a practice schedule and we'll probably have some media guidelines here in the next few days. As soon as any of that's out, you know that you can't get it any faster than you can from the guys from dogman.com. So, uh, Scott Eklund, just real quickly, cause we've gone on way too long, but, uh, anything we need to add? Uh, no, huh? I, you know, we've talked a lot about stuff. Um, my guess is, you know, just taking a guess at media availability, I bet we get to see one or two practices a week and, and we get to, uh, you know, do Zoom calls once or twice a week and, and get players and coaches during that time. Uh, Chris, anything you need to add last minute? Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely want to give a shout out to the news that came out today on Tuesday that, uh, Jermaine Curse is retiring. Um, Jimmy Lake wanted to make sure that he uh, gave his thoughts on obviously the former Lake standout, the former UW standout, the former Seahawks standout. So many amazing catches that he made during his career, high school, college, pro. Um, obviously the stuff at the end of the USC game back in 2009 was pretty epic, as well as the the catch that got him to the Super Bowl when they played, uh, who was it, Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. 
So, I mean, there's so many highlights for a guy like Jermaine Curse, but I wanted to give a shout out to Jermaine. Congratulations on his retirement. Um, I'm going to see who plays golf more from here on out, you or Jermaine, Kim. Well, let me just throw a couple of numbers at you, okay? 7.3, 8.1. Who do those numbers belong to? Well, I know they're not your handicap, so they're probably his. Jermaine is a 7.3. Hang on a second. Okay, this is great radio. Jimmy Lake is an 8.1. Okay. Right, by the way, they, they basically can play, they can play scratch against each other. But by the way, Jimmy Jimmy Lake did make a mention in his presser at the very beginning that he's going to recruit Jermaine to be a part of the program one way or the other. Yeah, Jimmy's Jermaine's a stick too. Both yeah, of them can. No, but I, I would be stunned if Jermaine isn't a uh, isn't a focal point up in Montlake. You know, in the not necessarily in the same breath as a Damon Heward or a Greg Lewis, where they're there he's literally connected to the program in that way. But maybe even like a lawyer Malloy type presence. I think I would be shocked if that doesn't happen. Lots of good content lately up on dogman.com. A lot more coming. If you get a chance, listen to the Brandon Huffman podcast, Scott, at the end of this podcast. It'd be great if you could go ahead and put the link on the bottom. Also, uh, had a podcast last week as well as a couple articles. Had a chance to sit down with Jen Cohen for uh, quite a bit and she went over a lot. If you're looking for those daily updates and breaking news alerts, make sure just send us a note. Huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Uh, lots of stuff going to be happening. We're just excited to get this ball rolling and football starting. So um, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fatters, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.